Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message is the gospel us in the account of Jesus providing help to the man who was an invalid at the pool. Well, Lori was a three-year-old little girl, and it was bedtime, and she wasn't real excited about bedtime, but it was, so she went up to the room and started to get ready, and then all of a sudden she came out the door and shouted for her mom and said, can you come help me get undressed? The mom was in the middle of another task downstairs, and she shouted back, you know how to get undressed yourself. And the little girl said, yes, but sometimes people need other people anyway, even if they know how to do things by themselves. There's some truth to that. We, we, we need people. We, we need the help of others. And isn't that what we see with the invalid at the pool? He was a man in need of help, desperate need of help. But where would that help come from? And as we sit and go over that, because that's what we're going to do this morning, is go over that miracle that Jesus performed, we're going to ask the question about ourselves. Do you need help? And where does your help come from? Where does your true help come from? We're going to be reminded that as we look at the Lord helping this man, it is the Lord who helps us. So let's go back to the text. Pick it up in verse 2. Now there was in Jerusalem, by the gate, sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which had five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed, there, who had been an invalid for 38 years. So John paints a picture of a man who is in need. He's really almost desperate. He's there amongst all these others, all crowded around this pool, looking to get healed. And the reason that they are there is because a story is told that an angel would come down and touch the pool and it would stir up. And whoever was first into the pool would be healed. Quite a superstition. But people are desperate. And the fact that they're all there shows the desperation that was there. And they were helpless. Again, this invalid. How could he help himself? He was in need of help because in his affliction he was limited. He could not do that which he intends, that which he wanted, that's what he desired. He was limited. He needed help. And it was obvious. And you and I need help, do we not? We need help from time to time. But we may not be as obvious as that we always need help because of our sinfulness. Our need for help exists because of our sin. And this text today reminds us of of another way to understand sin. We often get caught up in sin being doing that which we are not supposed to do or not doing what we are supposed to do. But always keep in mind that sin isn't just the action or inaction. Sin is our nature, that we are born as sinful creatures. And and sin actually limits us, limits us in our abilities and and capabilities. That that sin gives us an inability at times to do what we need to do, limits us in what we can do. And we see this in our life, do we not? How many times have we failed to live as we intended? We're limited. How many times have you made plans that just didn't work out? How many times have you made plans to improve yourself, to change yourself, to to do something better? And it hasn't worked. How many times have you had the best intentions to help someone or the community or the people at large, and it hasn't worked out? We are limited by our sinfulness because our sinfulness always turns back upon ourselves. And always puts ourselves first and pushes other things to the side. 
sin limits us and it limits our bodies. And we're reminded of this when we look at the invalid, that all sickness, all illness is tied back to the fact that we live in a sinful world. We are not as we were intended to be at creation, that, that our bodies are limited. And so we know those limitations, right, of illness and sickness. You've experienced those times because of your illness or sickness or something you're going through. You can't do what you want or intend. Sin is always limiting. And because it is limiting, we are always in need of help. Let's go back to the text. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up, and while I'm going in, another step down before me. The man was in need of help. Just ask him, do, do you want to be healed? And the man had to be wondering, well, of course, that's why I'm here. I, I want to be healed. But the man didn't really understand the healing that Jesus was coming to bring. He needed help, and he didn't even really realize the true help that he needed. He needed help. And he certainly has had some help, right? How did he get to the pool? He had to have some help to, to get him there, to provide for him in his food and in other ways. But the problem was that the help he was getting wasn't enough. And why is it that he can get to the pool but cannot get into the water? We're not really sure. But even if he had someone to help him get him into the water, would that have been enough? Would that really have fixed his problem? Would that really have been a solution? No, he was even looking to the wrong place, placing his hope in the wrong thing. He needed help in a different way. So you and your situation, do you need help? Do you have help? Isn't this one of the great things that our Lord provides for us? He provides family, he provides friends in many ways who are there willing to help. Sometimes we're not so willing to let them help. But the Lord provides it, does he not, in many ways? But the problem is that while the Lord does provide family and friends to help in certain areas, it's not always the help that we truly need. They can't fix the problems that really bother us. They are not providing a solution necessarily. We need help in a different way. And so the episode of the pool reminds us or at least raises the question, where do we truly find true help? And where do we place our hope in our need? Certainly those who are at the pool place their hope in the pool and maybe in their family and friends. Where is your hope? Is your hope grounded in family and in friends? Is your hope grounded in your abilities and your ideas? Is your hope grounded in what the world has to offer? It's real easy for us to be distracted. It's real easy for us today to place our hope in rather dubious spots, places other than where it should truly be placed. And that's the beauty of the text today. We see in our Lord's action where we are to place our true hope. And that's what we see in verse 8 when Jesus says to him, Get up. Take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. The help this man truly needed was the Lord. 
the, the, the true hope, the true help came from God and from him alone. No one else could do this for him. Even if his friends could get him into the water, there was no guarantee that he would be healed. No, the only one who could truly guarantee a healing would be Jesus. And if we look at this, how he does this, notice he does it by his word. Get up, take up your bed and walk. The power for him to stand, the, the power for him to, to rise is found in the word. God spoke and he was able to do it. He was, if you will, a new creation by the power of God's word. He wasn't the same, was he? The same man who was laid there at the pool now is able to walk away. He is a new creature, a new creation created by the word of God. And that could only come about by the Lord. And if we understand our true need of help and hope, the Lord does precisely the same thing for you and for me. Our true hope is found in our Lord. And he brings healing to us by his word. And we are new creations. That word that you heard a moment ago, that you are forgiven by him. That, that in the command of our Lord, because of what he has done on the cross, through his suffering, his death, and resurrection, now you are made new. You are forgiven a new creation. Because Jesus died for you and paid the price for your sins. He has conquered death and sin for you, so that you could be a, have a new life. And again, all this is brought about by the power of God's word. And that word comes to you again and again to recreate you or to keep you as that new creature, as it is done now. In baptism, we can think about being given a new nature, a new creation, but, but how do we maintain that new nature? How do we maintain ourselves as God's new creature? It's by doing what we're doing right now, hearing the word of God that the Holy Spirit works through to keep us as God's creation, forgiven and loved, belonging to him now and forever. It is interesting to see the, the power of Jesus and what he has done for the man. But it's also interesting as we jump ahead in the text to see what it is it that the man does. Think for a moment. You've been an invalid for 38 years. Now you are healed. Where do you go? What do you do? Then listen to this. After Jesus found him in the temple, he said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, and nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. So, so where does the man go after he has been healed? To the temple. He goes to the temple. He goes to the temple, no doubt, to offer thanks and praise for what has been done to him and for him. He recognizes in Jesus the work of God that has brought healing to himself. And keep in mind, because he was an invalid, he could not go to the temple prior to this. He, he was excluded from the temple. He could only be brought to the courts of the temple and, and maybe he made a beggar, but he couldn't go into the temple and worship and praise God. Now having been healed, he is a new creation. He has a new freedom and he chooses in that freedom to go and worship God. But being a new creation, being someone with a new freedom also has its dangers, right? Because we don't always use our freedom properly. Isn't that what Jesus is saying when he says, sin no more? You're a new creation. You have been set free. But, but don't use your freedom to make yourself a slave once again to sin. Use your freedom to worship God and to love those around you. And then he points the Jews to Jesus. He says, that's the one who did this to me and for me. In his freedom, he worships God and he points to Christ. And isn't that 
the wonderful example for us as we are still in that Easter season. We're still celebrating the resurrection of our Lord. We are new creations based on his resurrection that's been united to us. We are a new creation and we are given freedom. How do we use that freedom? How do we live out our life before God? Guided by the Spirit, are we not, to use this freedom to worship our Lord as we are today? Isn't this to be part of who we are as God's people, as, as part of an, a new creation with the resurrected Lord? We offer our worship and praise together. We read the scriptures on our own. We do this as a family. We have a new freedom. We are a new creation that can worship God. And the other thing is, we have a new freedom to live out our faith, to love our neighbor, to keep our eyes and ears open to see the needs of those. Because again, those who have been helped by the Lord, are we not called to help others? And we can't help others if we're not aware of the needs that they have. That we are to set aside our sinfulness that focuses on ourselves and our own needs, that opens our eyes and our ears to hear and to see what the needs of our neighbor is, what the needs of our friends are, our co-workers, our family members. And to step in as we are able and to help them, to show the love of Christ to them and to do as this man did, to point them to Christ where the true help is found. We are new creations precisely to do this. Again, as we conclude, we, we, we know that we have a need for help. We offer our thanks today for the help that is found in our family and friends, the people that God has placed in our life. But most of all, do we offer our thanks and praise for the ultimate help that is found in Christ. That he would, out of love for you and for me, make us all new creations. That he would, out of his love, fill our hearts with love, forgive our sins and grant us peace. We know that he and he alone is able to do this and has done this. He has brought salvation and will continue to be our help and our stay throughout our life. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guide our hearts and minds to true faith, to life everlasting. Amen.